0: Hello, everyone. You are listening to Christ in the Classroom, presented by Sophia Institute for Teachers. I'm your host, Jose Gonzalez, and today my special guest is Katie Prejean McGrady. We'll be talking about loving Jesus, loving our students, and how being unapologetically Catholic, really focusing in and honing in on Catholic identity in Catholic schools. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, We hope you'll find this time with us uh, fruitful for both you yourself spiritually, personally, and for the lives of your students and the great work that you're doing in the classroom let's begin our time together in prayer as we always do in the name of the father and the son the holy spirit amen direct O lord we beseech you all our actions by your holy inspirations and carry them on by your gracious assistance that every prayer and work of ours may begin always from you and by you be happily ended through christ our lord amen our lady seat of wisdom pray for us in the name of the father and son the holy spirit amen it is hard to believe we are uh a good way, a good part of the way through October, uh, and that you know, fall is, is definitely in full swing. We are so grateful um, for the good work that you all do as Catholic educators in the classroom here at Sophia Institute for Teachers. Uh, know that you are valued, that you are prayed for every day. Uh, I'm excited to share um, with you a great conversation I had with Katie Prejean-McGrady, uh, if you're not familiar with Katie, Katie has experience as a youth minister, uh, has experiences uh, as a teacher in the classroom, and now um, she dedicates herself full-time to a uh, serious XM radio show um, on the Catholic channel, um, has many guests and talks about a lot of Catholic issues, um, as well as uh, tackles things in the news. Uh, she also speaks at youth conferences around the country. Uh, Katie is uh, the mother of too uh and really just has a lot of great insights um to the catholic faith um and has a lot of has a unique experience from her time in the classroom um, i first heard her radio show and 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 heard some of her talks and uh follow her on instagram and really thought that she would be a great fit to chat with for this uh podcast and so i invited her to do so and i was uh, grateful to have to have her say yes we had a really great conversation Really focusing in on what it means um, for us as teachers to love Christ, how, what it means to love our students, what Catholic identity looks like, um, how we can be spiritual, how we can focus on our spirituality, uh, and really um, a lot of really good practical stuff. We also talked about how we as teachers can love our students, really in the midst of this COVID 19 pandemic. What does that look like? How can we really um, just be an anchor of stability for those kids that struggle? Uh, and so I hope you'll enjoy this conversation and be able to take it with you um, to your classrooms and for your own spiritual life and enrichment. So enjoy. All right, well, welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for for joining me today. Uh, it is It is a great pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, we, uh, um, I know I've listened to several several of episodes from your SiriusXM XM show, and I've heard talks that you've given on YouTube and have you've come highly recommended from from many <laughs> friends of mine who have who have heard you speak at youth conferences and things. And so, um, I just thought it um, really, Beautiful and appropriate to have you on the show. I've also heard, I also heard a little bit of your story years ago, I think, on a catch on the catching foxes.
1: Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah <I think> you <laughs> good were on, friends of mine on, yeah. there,
0: on there years ago. Yeah. So um uh so I just kind of was thinking, okay, we just started this podcast on um, season two, who are some good guests and and the Holy Spirit kind of brought you to my brain. And I thought, well, let's reach out. And you agree. Awesome. So here you are, and I'm grateful yeah. for that. So why don't we start off? I know while I may be familiar with you and some members of our, of our listening audience might be as well, I'm sure several ha- may not be. So why don't you just maybe share a little bit about yourself, your story, what you're, yeah. what you sort of do in ministry. And
1: yeah, well, I, uh, I'm a wife and mom. That's most important. Uh, and the day that we're recording this, it's actually my oldest daughter's fourth birthday. So we are in the throes of, of, Not even a toddler, little girl celebration these days, pre-K life. Um, My kids go to Catholic school and a small little Methodist daycare um, here in the city of Lake Charles. My husband is a biology teacher. I was a theology teacher for five years before I shifted away from formal classroom and parish ministry into more kind of a, a media existence, if you will. I travel and I speak in non-COVID times a lot more. Um, yeah. And then I have a daily radio show on the Catholic channel on Sirius XM. And I work with Ave Maria Press and I host a podcast for them called Ave Explores where we take a deep dive look at different topics every season. So we're working on one right now on, on scripture, which is a lot of fun. I basically just get to talk to my friends and it's like, Hey, you want to come on this podcast? And it's radio is just talking to myself and there's people tuning in from their car. So that's kind of cool too. I used to get in trouble for talking when I was in school. So now I get paid to do it. And it's kind of like the universe and God's greatest joke that they ever pulled on me was what you thought was always going to ruin you is actually the thing that feeds your family.
0: Yeah that's that's so funny. I used to tell actually it's it's funny cuz god god's just funny like that. I always yeah. tell people when I'm when I'm running a workshop that I said that the thing that I hated the most as a teacher was professional development. And now I run it for a living. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. I, um, I would rue the days where we had to do faculty retreats and now I do about a dozen a year. And it's always like, I start off with, I don't want to be here any more than you do, but we're going to get through this day together. And then by the end of it, you have teachers in tears and you're like, okay, it worked. This is, this is what the Lord wants us to be doing. Um, But yeah, I was a theology teacher for five years, um, and loved it. I mean, easily, I used to say it was the best job I ever had. And then I got to start doing radio. So that I think might be the best job I've ever had, but I loved being a teacher and loved my time in the classroom. I taught freshmen. Uh, so ninth graders, of course, will get you straight to heaven with their silly questions and the moments of yes. of uh, you pray for patience and then you have the opportunity to exercise patience. But I I, uh, I, I look back on those five years in education and my six years in youth ministry. And I just, I'm really grateful for
0: that time. Amen. Amen. Yeah. There's something really beautiful about um, getting to help shape Mm -hmm. uh, young minds uh, there. I would say teaching high school in particular, you experience some of your biggest frustrations, but also some of the most beautiful fruit and blessings Mm -hmm. that you ever imagined, you know? Yeah, the, the Lord. It's like for every for, for every bad day, there's a good day. You know, right. it, it's it's uh, the the Lord constantly shows you when when you're in your in the trenches and frustrated. Hey, here's a little light. You yeah, know? here's yeah. A, here's a little piece of of goodness from from a kid, and uh, it, it really, uh, it, it, yeah, it's such a beautiful testament to the cross and the Paschal mystery and all that stuff when you're when you're when you're in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, um, why don't, I would love to just sort of chat with you about, um, just some of the, you know, as, as a teacher, some of the, the, um, you know, from your experience, like what are some of the most beneficial things, um, that you experience or like pieces of wisdom, I guess, pearls of wisdom Mm -hmm. you could Mm -hmm. share with teachers. Um, so, um, maybe it's, um. You know, what do you recommend for teachers spiritually? How you know working with their students? So, um, just sort of open it up. Um, I know it's a little bit open ended, but just maybe. Yeah, it's it's my favorite kind
1: of question because I think every every person who's been in the classroom, you know, even if it's I was only in there for five years, and I know some folks are going to be listening who've been doing it for longer than I've been alive, and they're going to think, what does she have to possibly say? But no, I think there's wisdom from every experience that a person has in the classroom one year, 10 years, you know, it's know—it's—it's—it's it's your last day, and you have worked so long for that last year that you're you're in the classroom, wherever you are on the journey, I always found that I would start to kind of lose myself. Like, I would start to resent my classroom or be easily annoyed by my students or kind of hate my material when I started to drift away from why I became a teacher in the first place. And that's really, I think, at the beginning of a school year and that, that halfway point of the school year, whenever you're listening to this, the the constant and I mean, I say constant as as a reality, like the everyday reminding yourself when you step into the classroom, this is why I'm doing this, whether it's I'm doing this because I love this material and I love this subject. I'm doing this because I love young people and I want them to love Jesus as much as I do. I'm doing this because somebody did it for me once and it changed my life. And so I want to kind of give back what was once given to me. Every person has a discernible reason that they've chosen to teach, that they've chosen to catechize, that they've, they've chosen to really invest in passing on the faith in this formal setting. And because we pass on the faith in a classroom, you pass on the faith in a, in a religious ed program, you pass on the faith by handing a young person a, a book or by telling them to go listen to a podcast. There's the, the particular way that we do it. And then there's also this, this adage that, you know, as a mom, I've had to kind of remind myself of this all the time. Faith is not just taught, it's also caught. And its I know that sounds cheesy, but it's it's just as important to know why I want to teach this material as it is to know why I, I maybe love this material, why I love Jesus in the first place. If we can get back to that base level of why we're doing this, because I love what we believe and I love sharing what we believe and I love Jesus most of all, then the rest of it falls into place. So when that student is a little more challenging or the grading is piling up or father is demanding one more thing on your to-do list. And you're like, this is not in my job description. This was not what I signed up to volunteer for. I don't get paid enough to do this. Whatever the excuse might be, it's a little easier to push through the char- the hard moments, the challenging moments, because you know why you're putting up with those things or why you're even embracing those things in the first place. and And I mean, that could be any subject, right? Any teacher can can hold on to that. My husband is a biology teacher in an inner city charter school here in Lake Charles. Um, and he loves science. My husband is the science geek who worked in vaccine manufacturing, fresh out of college, worked third shift. That's how I paid off his college loans. And and wow. like, if my daughter has a question about anything bug related, he immediately goes to a website and they look things up on their phone. And do, he loves science. He knows that he's in a school where there's a lot of kids that don't love science and don't even love school and don't really understand why they have to learn about the Krebs cycle or, or, you know, any sort of, any sort of thing that, that, well, how is this ever going to apply to me in the real world? And, you know, in the time of a pandemic, biology applies a whole lot more than I think any of us ever realized. But I reminded him of that the other day when he came home from a particularly frustrating day, um, with students who had not done their assignments and were complaining about their technology not working and were annoyed at the fact that they had to keep their masks on their face and just, it was just a challenging day. And I said, okay, remember why you chose to teach at this school, you chose to teach this subject and not just go get, and I hate to say, just go get a generic job, but like teachers take home their jobs. Like you bring home those kids in your mind, you bring home that grading. Your whole family becomes a teaching family. I mean, I, I, the the number of students that Tommy tells me about that I'm then like, okay, well, I, how's that kid doing? Like, remind me of, give me an update. Like, what's going on? Like, it becomes a whole family thing. Right. Why did you want to do this? And that is always a centering thing for him. It's a centering thing for us as a family when he has to stay a little later or, you know, when he has to go help a kid after school, whatever it might be. The why matters most of all, regardless of subject. And, and oh. that's my always my first piece of advice to educators.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. The, the why is so central, but it's also really easy to lose sight of as a teacher yeah. throughout the year. Mm-hmm. It, it really is, especially in those hard months. And I can imagine this last year, you know, during oh yeah, COVID was probably very easy to lose sight mm-hmm. of, of the why. Um, but I think the why keeping that at the forefront, mm-hmm. it's like that with any job though. Right. If, right. Right. Regardless of teaching, um, we can also challenge ourselves as christians like what's the why Mm -hmm. for my existence and for my mission right so that why question really is something that should permeate everything we do as christians um our spiritual lives our you know our daily lives our jobs Mm -hmm. our vocations, all of that um
1: when it's in scripture right always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you like what's your why i mean jesus demands that answer from us. And and demands is a word that gets taken out of context. Jesus isn't a miser, he's not a dictator of our hearts, he's a gentleman. Right. But he wants to know. I mean, the same reason that my daughter will frequently ask me, why do you love me, mommy? And, and we kind of have this little back and forth of I list off all the things that I love about her from her curly hair to the way she laughs to how generous she is with her younger sister and kids want to hear that kids want to be reminded of that. So you need to know your why as an educator, as a person of faith, but I would even go so far as to say your students deserve to know why you want to be in the classroom Amen. with them. I mean, COVID revealed, that the past year and a half immediately revealed the cracks in every education system that has ever existed, from homeschool all the way to just the regular formal public school and everything in between. Amen. There was an immediate yep. recognition of the challenge it is to form young minds without a prefrontal lobe that's fully <laughs> fully developed yet, huh. with a lot of questions about what's real, what's not real, uh, in the circumstances that we all found ourselves in, young people wanted to know even more why educators were putting themselves through this for them or why this particular subject was really, why do I have to do biology? Why do I have to do math? It's a pandemic. My grandma might die tomorrow. Like, I don't care about any of this anymore. Right. I, on day one of the classroom, the worst thing a teacher could do is pull the syllabus out and say, this is how I'm grading you. This is the material that we're covering. And and this this is what I expect of you behavior wise. I deeply believe syllabi should not be pulled out until the first full week of school. But most schools kind of start with that like soft open like on a Wednesday or a Thursday so that you kind of get your kids back into the, that's how we do it down here in Southwest Louisiana. And it took me two years in the classroom before I finally realized the first day I just need to learn their names. The second day, we just need to all go around and talk about what we loved about our summer. And maybe by day three, we can all kind of talk about our hopes and our expectations of the year. Now, theology classrooms kind of have the luxury of getting to do that. But if I can be the classroom, if you could be the classroom where a young person has a place to process, I think Jesus smiles at that. Yeah, he wants the kids to learn the doctrinal stuff that they have to defend someday because we live in a world that doesn't believe that stuff anymore. But, but they're not going to want to defend that stuff until they know the person teaching them that stuff loves them and and has a reason for wanting to be in there with them. Because God knows you're not being paid enough and you're being asked to do a whole heck of a lot. So they need to know why you're in there. So it's, it's knowledge for you, but it's also essential to share it with them.
0: Right. Yeah. So one of the best compliments that I ever got, it was very humbling that I ever got was a parent sat down at parent-teacher conferences and said to me, Um, so my son, he thinks your class is really hard, but he also says that you, it is clear that you love Jesus and want all of them to love Jesus too. Mm -hmm. And I like my heart just melted in that. That's
1: all. That's what it's about. Yeah.
0: I was like, good, good, good. Like he's, he says it's really hard though. And he doesn't think he's going to get an A (laughs) I'm like, well, that's okay. That's That's okay. It's not about the A. It's not about the A. Um, and so it was just, um, that was one of those moments where it reminded me of my mm-hmm. why, right? Mm-hmm. Going oh, yeah. back to the why in that moment. And it's yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. So powerful. Um what would you say? So I know there's a lot of talk sort of these days, um, at least um, from my perspective. Um, I talk to a lot of dioceses and, and there's a lot of talk of Catholic identity. We want mm-hmm. to have our school are schools that have good Catholic identity. So kind of a twofold question almost in your mind, what does, like, I guess Catholic identity look like in a school mm-hmm. and what does a teacher, like, what's a teacher's role in that? Right. Cause a yeah. lot of times as teachers, like if I'm working at a school and I'm like, I just want good Catholic identity in my school. Like, I don't always have a ton of like, you know, pull on that if, right, if right. I'm not an administrator. Right. So sort of what Kind of maybe should administrators sort mm-hmm. of strive for it? and then what in your head do you think like a teacher, what can a teacher do? Yeah, to contribute to that to yeah. like really provide a an authentically Catholic environment.
1: Yeah. Them? Yeah. It's I mean, that's the million dollar question, right? What sets a Catholic school apart? Is it the small class size? Is it the uh more elite athletics? I, I did a bit of a deep dive during the Olympics of how many athletes competing at the Olympics went to Catholic schools or private schools because those athletic programs are more elite. And so naturally they end up getting more scholarships or they end up going to a place where they get. So I was like, that's a really interesting thing. Like, I hope that those athletes got really great coaching and also know how to pray Hail Mary. Like, those are two things that I hope are happening Wow. And I mean, we know Katie Ledecky does, so at least one, one, one athlete that went to Catholic school her whole life and then Stanford realizes that. Is it, is it the fact that most Catholic school educators have secondary degrees or have like pursued higher education or, you know, again, that small class size where there's that family feel? Sure, all those things factor in along with the fact that you're writing a check. And so I do feel like mom and dad involvement in, in Catholic schools is at a heightened level. Again, because we've we've made a different sort of investment—not not to knock public schools by any means. My husband's a product of public schools, so is my mom. He teaches in one, but but the level of investment I feel as a mom who writes a five hundred and fifty dollar check every month is a little different,
0: right. because I
1: I you know I, I I'm buying in literally giving my coin to the mission of the school. So those things matter, but at the end of the day, what matters the most to me and why I write that check and why I read the teacher emails and why I show up to the PTO meetings and why I ask my daughter what's going on at school. And I'm speaking from the Catholic school mom perspective and then I'll, I'll shift to the teacher perspective is because I know Jesus is in the center of the building. And I know that my child is being told things about Jesus, is talking about Jesus, is asking questions about Jesus. She's four, she's in pre-K. Day one is a half day for the girls and then day two is a half day for the boys and they're all together on Friday. And Friday was school mass and the pre-K four kids weren't supposed to go. It was not in the original plan for the pre-K four kids to go. And then we find out that the, the little boys and the little girls begged to get to go to mass with the whole school beautiful.
0: that's beautiful
1: because they got to go on a little tour of the school on on wednesday with the girls and thursday with the boys and so they're like well we want to go too like we're part of the school community and it my heart burst with joy to know that that like four years old that was a priority and a schedule shift was made to let them participate mm. the ideal of catholic identity is not necessarily there's a Eucharistic procession every morning or mass every day or father is available for confessions 10 hours of the school day which is only eight hours those are great things to maybe strive to get to I think it honestly boils down to is Jesus at the heart of the mission of what the teachers are doing is everything prioritized around when our kids graduate from this school or when they move on to some other school if they if they leave town or if they, they have to make a shift or whatever it is, can they confidently walk away with a mastery of all these subjects that we've hopefully taught them, but also an ability to say, this is who Jesus is in my life. And I know that sometimes that sounds kind of fluffy and it's like Catholics are, are we sometimes get a little cautious about like talking about that personal relationship with Jesus, but what's more personal than consuming Christ and being rooted in the Eucharist? Right. What's what's more personal than walking into a confessional and telling somebody in persona Christi, all the stuff that I've done yeah. that I want forgiveness for the heart of of everything from math class to the morning prayer to the way a teacher gives a student a high five at drop-off is rooted in teachers who love Jesus themselves and know how to pray and decisions that are made for the spiritual betterment of the community and of the students. I would have been no problem if the four the pre-K four teachers said, Well, our scheduled doesn't allow for the kids to go to mass this day because you know they're four and they don't know how to sit still yet and also it's lunchtime like i would have been fine with that i know the objective realities of a school schedule but i'm also really happy that they made it work to put my kid in front of jesus even just for one extra opportunity so that when she came home she gets to say mommy we got to go to mass today like Mm -hmm. i know that that's a thought in their heads of we're going to make that a priority I think that's that's the identity is Jesus is not just an afterthought. Jesus is not just in the name or Catholic is not just in the title. And hey, that gives us permission to charge an obscene amount of money. It's we make decisions and we choose to do things in our school centered around our our Catholic faith. So one way my Catholic high school did this when I was a student and then when I was a teacher and got a lot of flack for it, our bishop, uh, our current bishop came to the Diocese of Lake Charles in 2007 and bishop provo is we call him papa provo he is one of the holiest men i've ever met in my entire life measured balanced believes in subsidiarity so if he puts people in charge he believes that they can do their job yeah. but he took one look at the catholic school and he said something's a little off here you're a catholic school that has mass once a month maybe the chapel doesn't have the eucharist in it because again you're only doing mass once a month so like when mass is over like that so like there's no place for a student to maybe go pray in front of the blessed sacrament Your religion classes are kind of fluffy, like you're not using great textbooks. And on top of it, like your morning prayer is a five second reflection from like the internet. And it's not, it doesn't get anybody. So like he identified, here are some issues that I see within your Catholic school and started to make a subtle change. We're gonna have mass once a week. And then they started to put that mass on Wednesday instead of Friday. So students could use the Friday mass as an excuse to not go to mass on Sunday. So middle of the week, there was just a reorientation. Then he, he asked if students would kneel during, uh, the Eucharistic prayer because we used to stand because it's a concrete floor. And then they made it practical. They said, look, we're going to get kneelers. Like we know that the floor is hard and kids are in, in shorts or skirts or or like, so we're just going to get those little garden kneelers. We're going to make it a possibility for you to make mm-hmm. this a priority because posture matters. And that changed a mindset. And then they made this really subtle shift that had a huge impact where we're, we're not going to do any sort of sports practices on Sunday. Like we're just not going to allow it. And we're going to make it clear to the coaches, like Sunday is a day for family and for, and for Sabbath. And whether you're Catholic or not, we're going to make it a priority that you're not coming to school to just take care of extracurricular stuff, like you're with your family and you're worshiping. And then the big one during Lent, we're not going to have prom. We're not going to have dances during a season of fasting and Amen. almsgiving. Like we're yeah. going to make conscious choices to live our liturgical year as a student body. The outrage from parents was swift and loud, and then all of a sudden something started to happen because they started to see that their students were, were having a mindset shift themselves. Something happens when you go to mass every week and like then you're talking wow. about it afterwards. Something happens when you're kneeling and, and standing is a valid posture, but, but kneeling, it's, it's, a, it's a humbling thing. And it's, it's something important for young people to do. Something happens when on Friday mornings during Lent, the blessed sacrament is exposed. And when a kid walks into the commons, Jesus is there. Those subtle shifts there's a lot of fear in making those shifts because of pushback Mm -hmm. and because people are scared. Okay. Well, somebody's going to walk away. They'll go find another school. And that might, that might be true, but does the Lord not always provide? And, and does the Lord not always call us to do that radical thing to the point where we can then look at him and say, well, where else am I going to go? Because this is, Mm -hmm. you have the words of everlasting life. And I, I think it takes Bold administrators, oftentimes with the backing of pastors and bishops, to say this is going to be a priority. I would recommend for administrators to sit down and make a list of 10 distinctly Catholic things you want to do in a school year. Make the list of 10 and then pare it down to five. And then realistically, you'll achieve three. And of those three, make them non compromisable. Do you want to have adoration once a month with your students? Great. Educate them on what it is. Get a musician to help lead worship start with 20 minutes. It doesn't need to be a full hour in silence. This is not seminary. They're, they're teenagers or they're children. Mm-hmm. But, but start to practice it. Do you want your faculty to pray together? Well, then, if you have a faculty meeting, start with a decade of the rosary. It takes not even five minutes. And if teachers are grumbling and complaining and saying they have to go grade, well, then let them know that when the meeting starts, they can open up their computer and only half pay attention. But it's non optional. You're going to spend some time in prayer as a faculty. Do your do your teachers and, and this is, I don't think we realize sometimes that as Catholics, like prayer is an anchor for us. Yeah. Do your teachers communicate to one another, to their students, and to the families that they're praying for their students? Are they actually praying for their students? We yeah. we did this thing with one administrator. He wanted faculty to write letters. Because, you know, you've got those students in your school who are excelling and everybody knows they're doing a great job. And you've got the students that are struggling. And so, like, you're communicating with those parents of, like, I want to help this young person do better. But then you've got those kids in the middle, those, mm-hmm. those B students who are doing well, but, like, don't get noticed because they're just, they're, they're thriving. Yes. But they're not, like, they're not winning all these awards, but they're not also flunking out. Your average, I was an average kid. Yeah. And my parents loved hearing from the teacher, like, you're doing a great job. And like, so we started writing letters as a faculty to moms and dads once a quarter, we'd sit down, we had to pick two students from every section of our class just saying like, hey, like your kids doing a great job. I love having them in class. Thank you so much for trusting us with them. I'm praying for them and I'm praying for you. The difference that started to make in parents trusting us as teachers and teachers feeling connected to their students, I I can't tell you how many of my former students our babysitters for us now, are our, 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 a text message or an Instagram message away because we still have relationships that was rooted and anchored in this understanding of, I love you because Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you. So make that list, pare it down, have some backup, and then be bold in starting to implement those things.
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. One of the things that I loved to do that I tried really hard to, um, I always did at the beginning of the semester and I would always try to do it partway through as well a couple times is take my grade book. I mean, this mm-hmm. is I still I always had a paper grade book. I, I mean I don't, yep, know, yep, no, me too. I don't <laughs> know if I would still have one if I was teaching <laughs> today, but I would take my paper grade book into the adoration chapel yep. and I would literally sit and just say a short prayer mm-hmm. by name for every one of my students. Lord yep. open, you know sarah so-and-so's heart lord open travis mm-hmm. so-and-so's heart like and i would just do that you just um, said
1: the, the names of two students that i had one who's in seminary now and one who's going to be a life Teen missionary uh, and i uh, I prayed for travis and sarah that sarah was nannying for us all summer long that's that's the holy spirit right oh, there that, that's
0: beautiful <laughs> that's beautiful um so i i want to on this topic of prayer a little bit yeah. um i think that that is such a key thing as as catholic educators uh if we want Catholic identity, if we want mm-hmm. to remember our why, if we want to do all those things, like we have to stay rooted mm-hmm. in our anchor, which is Jesus. And in order to do that, we have to pray. We have to have some level of spirituality as teachers. And as you, I, I'm sure as, as you know, being a teacher consumes everything. And it's yep. like, I always talk about the Mary, Martha, you know, spirituality and teachers naturally have a Martha, like oh, yeah. we go right. So if you had sort of, um, I guess, maybe some tips like Mm -hmm. for teachers to like how, what are some practical things teachers do to pray or make time to pray or, or like engage their spiritual life? in a way where it's sort of integrated into their Yeah. Day. Yeah, so, so yeah, any- Yeah, because and- that's the,
1: like, you don't have a, I'm convinced that teachers will go to heaven someday and be decorating bulletin boards and, and passing out quizzes. Like, because that's, we, we can't not do, right? Like, teachers are active people by nature. Um, teachers who aren't active by nature are not good teachers, right? Like, we're, because we're constantly trying- to engage or to, I mean, it's theater on display in, in expressing this material that we love and trying to impart that wisdom. I think finding rituals and rhythms of prayer and and really establishing that routine. So Liturgy of the Hours, it's the form of prayer that the church gives us. It's 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 easy to do. You can do it online, you can just grab a shorter Christian prayer and keep it at your desk. I always love doing the liturgy of the hours. And then I started doing it with my students because it's supposed to be prayed in chorus, right? And so oh. it was it was really cool to hear scripture said by teenagers in a classroom and it takes 10 minutes. Now that doesn't count as my personal prayer anymore because I'm doing it with my kids and it's like part of our class activity. So I, I think it's important for teachers to remember that 10 minutes is enough and and it, it can be as simple as I'm going to read the gospel for the day. And I'm going to think about a word that's going to anchor me. I'm going to pray a decade of the rosary on the way to school and then like sit in silence and not just turn on the radio. I'm going to... Swing by the chapel on the way out and like ask the Lord to give me, do like a little examine of my day and ask the Lord to give me the strength to do better the next day or, or, or you know, thankful for the, the good day that we've already had. I, I also think, too, teachers, I watch this happen with my husband all the time. Like, he'll come home and he'll take care of like any of those last things that he needs to do, whether it's grading or making sure that his lesson plans are taken care of. And then he tries to like compartmentalize it because he doesn't want to just nonstop be talking about his classroom, even though we care. Um, And I think the same thing is true of teachers. It's like, especially in a Catholic school, okay, well, now I'm home and I'll kick back on the Catholic stuff tomorrow. And I mean, praying with your family, if if you have a family as an educator, making time on your weekend to swing by the Adoration Chapel for yourself, not just to pray for your students, not just to think about the, the things you need to do in the classroom, but you hopefully have a relationship with Jesus that is not only rooted in that room that you spend most of your waking hours in. Um, and finding the, the the way of prayer that works for you. I mean, maybe it's reading scripture. Maybe it's finding a spiritual book that's super helpful for you or, or creating a, a worship playlist and putting it in your ears and going for a walk or downloading the Hallow app. But finding the way that is easy for you to pray. I mean, we do a really bad job of like thinking there's only one way to do it and then mm-hmm. trying to pigeonhole everybody into, well, this is the highest form of prayer. And then people start to resent it. When in reality, like when we pray our family rosary, I used to want like everybody to sit still on the couch and we were going to pray a rosary. And then I realized my daughter's four, so she's going to want to walk around the room and that's totally okay. And my husband is going to want to enjoy his cup of coffee. And like, he likes to stand in the corner because he's been sitting at his desk all day long, like instructing from his, his COVID shield. And like, he wants to be on his feet because he's, you know, he's tired of sitting like, like finding a way to pray that works for you. And then being unafraid to take the time to do it. Um, Amen. Because you, I mean, it is, it's essential. It's as essential as charging your phone. It's as essential as turning in your lesson plans. It's as essential as knowing classroom management techniques, like the three warning system that you might have, like, especially in a Catholic school. I don't want Catholic school teachers who don't know how to talk to Jesus. And even if they're like in the beginning phases of it, they still need to try to do it.
0: Even if they're teaching PE and not teaching religion, you know what I mean? Like, that's how you integrate it. Like you have to do all uh, have to be rooted in that. Uh, I I know that I used to, um, and it's hard. Like I'm not, there were, there were times I would fall into the trap, like, well, I prayed with my students today. Mm -hmm. And and I, and I think as Catholic school teachers were doing the Jesus thing all day that sometimes we're like, well, that counts, but, um,
1: yeah, when Jesus is your job, it's really hard to keep talking to the boss.
0: Right. Um, I had a, I had a priest once, um, sit here, say in a talk that like sometimes we get so busy doing the things of the lord that we stop and w- that we forget to take time to remember the lord of all things like yeah. so yeah. We, you know it's really easy in ministry and in a catholic school to just go and be like well i'm doing it all for jesus mm-hmm. and it's like well but you still have to stop and talk yeah yeah
1: jesus. Yeah. Right. you
0: know like you got you <laughs> got to check in i need a report not just yeah on- you yeah because you
1: can't you can't give what you don't have um mm-hmm. I can't look at a kid in good faith and say, you should take time to pray every day. If I'm not also, then I'm a liar. And right, right. a kid can, a young person of any age is going to start seeing through that very quickly.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Amen. Great. Yeah. Great ideas. And, and the apps you mentioned, Hallow's great. Another yeah. one that I love is the iBrivery app is great. Mm-hmm. And then- Laudate mm-hmm. is also another. Great yeah, thing. yeah, that's um, what my dad
1: uses. He's he calls it the old school Catholic app, and I'm like, yeah, if if a boomer can work it, anybody can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go, there you go. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, I I I use those a lot when I'm on the road, especially like it's just nice to like mm-hmm. throw in my headphones and and do the Hallow Rosary on the plane or yeah. like, like do the they they have the the pray as you go podcast mm-hmm. is also really great. So if you need, um, that's the big thing I think sometimes as teachers, um. Well, really as Christians in general, we have a hard time. Like, how do you pray? Like, how mm-hmm. do we do it? And it's like, we I feel like we need assistance sometimes. And I yeah. think those are great apps that can assist, that can help, especially if mm-hmm. we're not used to that quiet or that meditating. Yeah. When we want just something that prompts us like throw the headphones right. in and do one of those. Um, think time- of it as,
1: uh, as differentiated instruction, right? Like every yeah. person has to have the thing that helps them learn. And here's the thing that helps you pray. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, Wow. Well, Katie, thank you. Like just so many great uh, insights, any, um, any other like thoughts or anything else that kind of comes to mind as far as like just um, advice or thoughts for, for.
1: Yeah. I mean the elephant in the room right now with all teachers, I think. uh, And as a parent, I'm saying, this is of course COVID not just restrictions and not just what we should or shouldn't be doing with our kids, but just like I think that fear of the future, not living in fear, but just like the uncertainty and the wanting to, I think a lot of teachers know this, that parents are walking into a year filled with a lot of stress. Yes. And students, of course, are are carrying a lot of that stress. And so sometimes the classroom, which used to be the most normal place in the world and used to be for a lot of young people, a very safe place. Is now sometimes a very uncertain place or a very uncomfortable place or a place that like starts to feel unfamiliar, because maybe they were out of that place for a really long time. And I I was talking to my friend Rory Pettifee the other day. Uh, he's a licensed professional counselor and he works specifically with young people and we were just chatting for our back to school week special for Sirius XM and... I said, like, is there anything that parents need to know or teachers need to know for this coming school year? And he said, don't talk too much about COVID, but don't ignore the reality because, like, young people are still very much swimming in it of every age. Rose mm-hmm. asks me daily, is the pandemic over yet? Not because she's, like, fighting anything, but because she just knows that, like, it's, it's part of our routine now. You got your lunchbox, your water bottle, your backpack, grab your mask, out the door. Like, is the pandemic over yet? No, it's not over yet. Like, it's a reality. And yeah. so I think teachers occupy this really unique space of being able to help young people process that in healthy and holy ways. Mm. While also not just dwelling on it too much Amen. And, and trying to help them kind of move before. We talk a lot in sociology about how every generation is defined by something. So millennials, we were defined by 9 11 Um, For the longest time, we said that Gen Z was going to be defined by the housing crisis and the 2016 election because of the vitriol and the tension that that brought about. But in reality, they're now going to be defined by COVID. And then like my daughters and Gen A or Generation Alpha, as they're calling it, are actually now COVID kids. Like they'll never know a world that doesn't have this in it. And so as teachers kind of readjusting our expectations asking the lord for the humility and the patience to handle that so that we can be that steady anchor that some kids don't have with their moms and dads or they have it with their parents and they want to see that continue in their classroom i think teachers need to know how privileged a space they occupy right now in this very tender moment and and not you know sometimes like my husband i have to remind him all the time like your personal opinions about things or your worries and fears about people who are, or are not taking stuff serious. Like wherever you fall on the spectrum of it, I'm trying to say this in a gentle way because yeah. there's valid reasons to fall on all sides of it. And like, I'm sitting here as a fully vaccinated person who also understands people who are hesitant about it, like, and love plenty of people who are hesitant about it and no. wear a mask and make my child wear a mask. But we have very good friends that don't. And like that, the dehumanizing and the othering that's happening in personal lives, it, the classroom and the school needs to be the place where that doesn't happen most of all for the sake of our kids. And you as a teacher occupy that special place that can love kids through all of this really complicated time in a very tender and holy way. And just to encourage all teachers to really pray through that and to recognize like they they occupy that privileged spot. I mean, I guess that's, that's just really on my heart to say.
0: That's beautiful. No, I, I think that's a great reminder realizing like, there's no catechism paragraph out on this right now. You know, right. What I mean? like right. We're in, it's so we, new territory. It's new territory. And so we have to, we have to, as educators, as Christians, mm-hmm. just act with mercy, right? Yeah. We can all be in a different place on how we approach this, but we we have to give extend mercy and grace mm-hmm. to, to, to one another. And I have seen a couple really great diocesan statements about, mm-hmm. hey. Masks will be encouraged but optional. Vaccine mm-hmm. be encouraged but optional. Please respect mm-hmm. what other families are doing, and it's a great opportunity for teachers to really encourage yeah. that same kind of respect and yeah. Um, that, I mean
1: that's that's happened here. Our our bishop has been very clear about like this is this is the church's teaching on these things. It's moral to receive them. If you choose not to, nobody's going to sit there and say you're a horrible person. But also please take these other precautions and like very measured. Yeah people that are angry about even the most measured of things and people who are on both, again, on both sides. Cause it's, it's very much a, you, you, you live in the extremes Yes, and you start to, you start to, you start to drown when you go too deep onto either side. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like to live in that middle part of the pool between the shallow end and the deep end where you're treading water and you're able to kind of turn your head back and forth. I don't think that's fence sitting. I don't think that's not declaring an opinion, but I think that's kind of where teachers have to live right now.
0: Oh, amen. amen. To love
1: those young people and to maybe bring back some of the folks from the margins to say we can, we can exist in the truth together. Amen. Teachers get to do that.
0: Yeah. Amen. Thanks. Thanks yeah. for having
1: me. Thanks yeah. for letting me say that.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. I'm I'm grateful for it. Um, one last thing. I don't know if you're. I really love. Um, I think it kind of ties into to these waters we're we're swimming in. There is a great novena I just discovered a few months ago called the Surrender Novena. I yeah. Don't know if you're familiar yeah. With it. Um, but I think it is such a beautiful place of just trust. Like mm-hmm. I've actually been, I just pray the nine days and then I start over Yeah, it's just a good, yeah, <laughs> it's just a great, and the, it's a, it's a real short prayer each day. And then the mantra at the end that, that you say 10 times is, Oh Jesus, I surrender myself to you, take care of everything. Mm-hmm. And there's something so soothing and calming about, I, I don't only pray that mantra when I'm done with the novena prayer for the day I find myself saying it over and over Mm -hmm. throughout Mm -hmm. the day because we are we're living in uncharted territory none of us has really experienced anything like this before and things are changing on the daily and you're like all right lord like I just started traveling again almost full-time um Mm -hmm. this you know um which is one of the main reasons we're not doing this podcast live anymore is because I have so much scheduled but I also recognize that like Next week, all of a sudden something could flip Yep. the travel stops yep. or it keeps ramping up. I don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. So it's like, okay, Lord, take it. Yep. Take it. You're in control. Right. So, Amen. so I think that that's a really beautiful thing. So Katie, where can people like kind of find you follow you? Um, yeah look you up and, and-
1: <laughs> I am uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram for better or worse at uh, Katie P McGrady and then my website is just Katie Prejean McGrady I have a weekly newsletter and then of course I'm daily on Sirius XM 129 from two to four east uh, 11 to one pacific and uh, we have a lot of fun there it's back to school week while we're recording this but we'll do a lot of retapes and replays of those throughout throughout October and November as well
0: great and I would definitely encourage you um, when and if you are open to having outside speakers and she's open to traveling. Definitely. Yeah. Look, 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 look Katie up. I'm sure Love she come. would provide some great um, inspiration for your faculties and yeah. for your students. So um, awesome. God bless you. And thanks for joining. Thanks, us. Jose. Thank thanks. you. Another great conversation. Uh, I hope that uh, you, uh, you were able to um, experience a little bit of joy um, through that convo experience, a little bit of, um, growth in your own faith life um, growth in the knowledge of your of your of, of our Catholic faith um, and receive insights on how to um, to be uh, a better teacher um, in the image of Christ uh, I'm very grateful to Katie uh, and hope that you will uh, check out her radio show um, for more insights and hope that you will uh, follow her on Twitter Instagram and uh, I encourage you to to really um, to connect with her um, she's got a lot of Good insights and is doing a lot of good work for the church. So, thank you to Katie and thank you to all of you for listening uh, this week. Uh, if you need a PD certificate for today's episode, visit Sophia Institute for CITC certificate. Again, make sure you choose the correct episode in the drop down menu. And as a reminder, we do only issue certificates on the first and fifteenth of the month. So, please be patient. With us regarding uh, that issue. Uh, if you have not done so already, please subscribe and give us a review. Uh, we, we hope that you'll continue to listen and continue to gain insights uh, and, and be part of, of this podcast community and the great podcast and the great community of teachers at Sophia Institute for Teachers.org. Uh, uh, let's end our time together in prayer. Um, invoking the intercession of our patron saint Saint John Bosco in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen. Saint John Bosco you heroically sacrificed yourself in order to lead young people to Christ to form them in the truth and morals of the Christian faith and to establish lasting Christian education. Help me in my work as a teacher obtain for me from God holy love for my students so that I may generously guard them from the devil and from danger and guide them to Christ A men. Um, Please be sure and visit Sophia Institute for teachers.org for a whole bunch of free resources for yourself, for your classroom. Um, Thank you for listening. uh, And we hope that you will join us next week. God bless.